As we saw last week, God had called Hosea to prophesy to uh, the divided nation of Israel. Israel was at this time, divided nation had been, was, had been so for quite a while. The southern part of Israel was called Judah. And it was yet um, seeking to be faithful and, and uphold the, the faith that was that of King David. But the northern kingdom, the part that is known as Israel, had fallen into sin, particularly the sin of idolatry and spiritual uh, adultery. And it is to this part of Israel in particular that Hosea was called, called to prophesy against this nation, this Israel who had fallen into idolatry, into spiritual adultery, who had fallen into sin. Sin is evil. It's what the Bible reminds us of over and over again. Sin is evil. It is cosmic treason against the sovereign Lord and creator of the universe. And yet, beloved, no sin is as serious scripturally speaking, as a sin of idolatry. Idolatry is a violation of trust. It's a violation of intimacy. Idolatry says that there is something or someone better than God. More beautiful, more righteous, more desirable, more true, Something that is good, better than God. It is an affront to God's character, the very nature of his being as he has revealed himself in the world and particularly to his people. And therefore, God takes idolatry very, very serious. I think this is the point of the Ten Commandments, actually. In one sense, all of the Ten Commandments address idolatry of some sort. In fact, I would argue that this is what the commandments hinge on. If you look at the very first commandment, what does the very first commandment say? You shall have no other gods before me. And it could be argued, therefore, that all sin, to some degree, is rooted in a violation of this commandment. One author has rightly said that sin is what we do when our hearts are not satisfied with God. Sin is what we do when our hearts are not satisfied with God. When we seek our satisfaction outside of God. When we seek satisfaction outside of God, inevitably we sin. Particularly, we fall into idolatry. And this was the sin of Israel when God called Hosea to prophesy. He called Hosea to bring a word of judgment against the idolatry of his people. But Isaiah was a prophet that was given this calling. And God didn't send him on a crusade. 
God didn't tell him to book concert halls and auditoriums all around the country. God didn't tell him to publicize that he was coming and get large crowds to hear him preach. No. God gave him a word. But he didn't call him to write it in a book. Instead, God wanted his message delivered loud and clear and without horns. So he told Hosea, you're not just going to preach this, but you're going to practice what you preach. He was going to take the word that God gave him for the nation and he was going to make it real. He was called to live it out. This morning we want to contemplate on this nature of this calling and how it was an unexpected calling. You can imagine as God called this prophet the last thing that Hosea expected to hear Well, the words that we find in verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Now, I am... Confident, beloved, that there may not be a more blunt, surprising, unexpected, and disquieting command in all the scriptures. Hosea, take to yourself a wife of whoredom. Whoredom. One commentator has said, it is an ugly, abrasive, and accusing term. And yet it should not be narrowed or or toned down. Whoredom, whoredom, whoredom. Three times in that one verse, God speaks this word. I know it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. I'm sure it wasn't comfortable for Hosea to hear it. It's not comfortable for many of us to hear it. Not comfortable to say. Many of you, have you, as you read that passage, you began to think, oh my goodness, what will my children ask me? Maybe I should not allow my children to sit and hear as the word of God is being read, to hear over and over again 
the word of God say, and the preacher say, whoredom. You feel uncomfortable with it. It is difficult to our ears. And I get that. But I believe that's the point. That is the point. God and his word, beloved, does not shy away from the graphic, unmistakable, and unmitigated description of sin. We do that. God doesn't do that. We do that. We want to lessen the impact. We try to downplay the seriousness of it. Israel wanted to do that. God won't let them. God won't let us. Therefore, he sent Hosea on a mission to show Israel the ugliness of their sin. And yet, at the same time, the beauty of God's love. So he gave him a calling. It was a scandalous calling. It was a scandalous calling. He says, take a wife of such reputation that no doubt will get your neighbors and the rest of the community talking. You take this woman to yourself, Hosea, and others won't understand it. Your, your family will think that you have lost your mind. Others will ask if you heard God rightly. Maybe you should get a second opinion. No doubt, beloved. No doubt in my mind. Everybody knew Gomer. They knew Gomer because women like this are known in the community. It's hush, hush. People want to talk about it, but you know who they are. All the guys knew who she is. All the other girls know who she is. Everyone knows where she lives. She walks the halls of the school. Everybody knows her name. Everybody knows what she does. She's the one who gets invited to the party. But nobody wants to take her home to mama. She's the one who gets used in the dark places. But no one wants to walk around with her in the light. You know what I'm talking about. She is the one that mama warns her sons about. She is the one that fathers pray that their daughters never become. 
leprosy is the one that the scriptures warns about over and over again. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 27. She is the one, the Bible says, is a deep pit. The adulteress. She's a narrow well. She hides and waits like a robber. She multiplies the unfaithfulness of men. Proverbs chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Her lips drip with honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is a bitter wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. That woman, Hosea, you take in your arms and you love that woman. Beloved, no, no, no self-respecting and upright and honorable man would have her in his home, much less to marry her. And when God calls Hosea to embrace Gomer, take take her into his arms and to marry her in public view, he is calling upon a scandal that could not be escaped. After all, who loves the unlovely? Who would love the unwanted? Who would love the undesirable? Who wants the despised, the poor, the rejected, the used, and abused? The Lord does, beloved. And that is the true scandal. That is the scandal of the love of God. That is the scandal of the grace of God. Who would dare to talk to the woman at the well? But Jesus. And change your life. Who would dare defend the woman caught in adultery? But Jesus and change her life. In Luke chapter 7, when Jesus is invited to the home of the Pharisee, a prominent man, and he's sitting there with more prominent men, and a woman like Gomer comes in, sits at Jesus' feet, breaks open an alabaster box of ointment and begins to wash his feet with her hair. And the other men are sitting around and they murmur amongst themselves and they say, if he was truly a prophet, he would know what type of woman was touching him. Beloved, Jesus was the only one who knew what type of woman was really touching him. 
And not only did she touch him, but more importantly, beloved, he touched her. That is the scandal of grace. That is the scandal of love. Hosea taking Gomer. Beloved, the Bible says that such with some of us. Some of you have been those women. Some of us men have touched those women. The uncleanness of Gomer this morning reminds me of where I was when the Lord found me. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but such was some of us, sexually immoral, idolatrous, adulterous. But what happened? We were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Who wants the unlovely? These are the ones that God loves. These are the ones that Christ came to save. The sick. These are the ones that Christ came to find, the lost. Those who are sick and know they need a physician. Those who are lost and know they need a savior. It was a scandalous calling. But such is the love of God. It was not only a scandalous calling, Beloved, but it was a difficult one. This was not an easy task. It was not an easy task. Just think about it for a moment. How does Hosea do what no man would willingly sign up for? It is one thing to marry a promiscuous woman. It's another thing to marry a woman who promises she's going to be promiscuous again. Oh, don't think they sat in counseling and admitted to all their sins and Gomer said, well, I repent and I'm not going to do that anymore. And all would be well. But the promise here Hosea, is that you are marrying a promiscuous woman and the promise to you is that her promiscuity has not come to an end. Who does that? Who would do that? Hosea would marry someone whom he knew would be unfaithful. That she would be loose. 
unfaithful and promiscuous? That she would give herself once again to the men in the market and on the street? And every time she left the house to go to the marketplace, you'd wonder what she was doing and who she was with. And yet, Hosea was not getting married with his head in the sand, beloved. He knew the trouble was on the way. He knew the problems was coming. He knew that if he marries Gomer, she was going to be unfaithful. And yet, Hosea did it anyway. Why? Because God said so. It says in verse 3, And so he went and took Gomer. Doesn't give us a hint of, of hesitation. It's not like he got into a debate with God as Moses did before he went to Pharaoh. So he went and took Gomer. It was difficult, but he got it done. It was difficult, but he got it done. Should remind us, beloved, that God's will is not always easy. In fact, it usually is not. How often have you found yourself in difficult circumstances simply by following the will of God? And as it got more and more harder, you ask yourself, but am I not doing the will of God here? Yes, you are. And? It's often difficult. But if God calls you to a difficult task, then he supplies the grace, the mercy, and the strength to get it done. What he commands, he supplies. Has he called you this morning to a difficult calling? If he's called you, he's going to give you the strength to accomplish it. Yes, 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 it's difficult to give forgiveness when there's been so much hurt and pain. But has he called you to it? If it's difficult, he's going to get it done. He called you to a difficult part of his kingdom and service. It may be difficult, but if he's called you, you can get it done. Has he called you to repent of sin in your life, to forsake a relationship that you should not be in, to find yourself once again on the outs and being alone, being forsaken by those who are close to you because you desire to stand for God. It will be difficult, yes. But if he calls you, you can get it done. You can get it done. Nobody exemplified this more than our Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about difficult and yet getting it done. 
Jesus coming to earth and taking on the form of a servant is difficult. But he got it done. Being despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief was difficult. But he got it done. Wrestling, wrestling, the Bible says, with the difficulties of his calling until, as it says in Luke 22, he prayed and prayed and agonized until he was dripping with sweats of blood in the difficulty of the calling. And yet, in the end, he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Difficult, yes. If you called me to it, then I can get it done. Taking upon himself the chastisement that was due to us. And through the pain and suffering of death, accomplishing our redemption was difficult. But he got it done. The commands of God are often difficult, beloved. But if he calls you, he also gives you the grace and the strength to get it done. Our salvation is difficult. But how thankful we are. Christ got it done. So it was with Hosea. It was a scandalous calling, beloved. And please don't make light of how difficult that calling would be. And yet, the Bible says he went and took and took Gomer as his difficult, but he got it done. It's not only a difficult calling and a scandalous calling, but it is also a descriptive calling, isn't it? God had a purpose in giving this assignment to Hosea. And God's purpose, beloved, was not simply that Hosea would be miserable, He didn't tell Hosea to marry Goma so he can watch Hosea suffer. So that he can get his kicks off of the misery of the prophet. To watch him squirm and worry and fret all the days of his life. To be embarrassed and humiliated in public. God had a purpose, a grand design. But it was not just so that Hosea would be miserable, but God would show Israel the misery of their relationship to God. This is the point. That Israel would see how miserable they really were. In their relationship with God. For Gomer's 
transgressions would only be surpassed by Israel's sin. Verse 2, for the land commits great whoredom forsaking the Lord. If you think the issue was the sin of Gomer, you completely miss what God was doing. If you think that this is a message about a prostitute, about a hooker, or about a whore, your head is in the sand. Your ears are shut. And your heart is hard. For Gomer was unfaithful, yes. But Israel was more so. Gomer's adultery was great, but Israel's idolatry was even greater. Notice what the Bible says. For the land commits great whoredom in forsaking the Lord. Gomer's wandering was awful. Beloved, your and my wandering is a more awful still. That's the point. Hosea married a woman who he knew would be unfaithful. He didn't know how exactly. He didn't know when. But he married her. Knowing that she would. That shouldn't amaze you. What should amaze you this morning is that Christ, that God in Christ would send, what God would send his son into the world to marry you. Knowing this, knowing when and where and how you would be unfaithful, and yet he comes and he marries you anyway. That is love. Here is love. Hosea was told the worst about Gomer. And yet he married her anyway. When the Lord Jesus Christ determined to save you, he didn't determine to save you in ignorance. He knew the worst about you. He knew where you had been. He knew what you had done. He knew the thoughts that were laden in your mind. He knew what you were planning to do. And yet, he saved us anyway. The scandal, the scandal was not the marriage of Hosea to Gomer. The scandal was God's marriage to Israel. The scandal, beloved, 
was not Hosea's love for Gomer. The scandal is the Lord Jesus' love for you and for me. That's why the songwriter had it right. Ode to grace, our greater debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let your goodness like a fetter bind my what? Wandering, wandering heart to thee. Why? Because, Lord, I am prone to wander. Every day, in every way, I play the harlot. There is great whoredom in my heart. My thoughts wander. My eyes wander. My feelings wander. My words wander. Apart from the God who has loved me with an inexplicable love. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's why. Pray, Lord. Here's my heart. And take it. And seal it. Seal it. For your love. Your love and only your love. From above. That's the scandal. God so loved you. This is why. I don't debate with people about the security of the believer. This is why I don't even debate with people who think that Christians who have been loved by God eternally can lose their salvation. Because When God saved me, he already knew all that. There is not somebody coming along and all of a sudden giving God information about me that would make him change his mind. He didn't marry me with his head in the sand. He didn't give himself to me. In the dark. He knew all I was. He knew all I would be. And he set his affection upon me. And has loved me with an eternal, everlasting love. And all that the Father has given to Christ. Christ says, I am not losing one. Never forsake you, nor turn you away. Here is love, beloved. The mercy and the grace of God. Rebels redeemed for all eternity. Let's pray.